My topic this morning is worship in joy. And we did talk a little bit in the week about the handbrake turn from lament to joy between last week and this week. And uh, I've just been thinking, even this morning, about what, what this series has been about, worship in all of life. I'm thinking, how, how can we express that in another way? And I came up with this idea of connection, connection in all of life. In every area of our lives, how do we connect to the Holy Spirit? Or where is there a disconnect? What areas in our life do we struggle with that? And I wonder if we could... We can use connection as a, as a synonym for worship here in terms of that, that conduit of goodness and faith and grace that links us in. Uh, because we've been talking about how in times of lament, that can either push us away from God or draw us to him. And as, as Sally just, just shared, it's all a choice. The situation is the situation. It's our response to it that is our choice and that determines whether it's going to be good news or bad news, whether it's going to draw us closer to God or push us away from him. It's our choice. It's our choice, and our choice is probably the most powerful element that we have in our, in our armory. So I was reading a bit in Proverbs, and it says in Proverbs 30, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So as we look at joy and as we've looked at lament, my question is which extreme of life calls us to call out to God? Because we're all wired differently. We're all wired differently. And the question is, which of those do we struggle more with? Or which do we find easier? I've thought about this for some weeks, and I'm generally not sure what my own answer is. Is it, time, is it in good times that I draw close to God? Or is it when times are tough that I call out to him? I wonder if the pendulum tends to swing more towards the tough times. And when things are going well, it's almost like, let's not upset anything. Let's not risk anything. Let's just keep quiet about this and carry on enjoying the good time. But actually, the risk there is that we disown God and say, who is the Lord? What's he got to do with it? I'm blessed because of my own actions. So there's a challenge there in times of joy. Do we reach out to God? Do we strengthen that connection? There's been a lot of talk over the last few weeks about the percentage of psalms that's made up of lament. So being a, a numbers man, as you know, I love a good number. I thought, well, I wonder, I wonder what percentage of psalms are made up of joy. Um, so I thought, well, I could analyze all 150 psalms, but then I got on with my life and realized there were better things to do. So I took 10% of the psalms. I've analysed the verses from those ten. I was looking for phrases like joy, praise, exalt, worship. And we're going to have a little test as to what percentage of psalms, those psalms I looked at, were made up of joy. So let's start. Who thinks that verses in psalms about joy are more than 50%? Okay. 
Well, you're wrong. Who thinks it's more than it's between 25 and 50 percent? No, still wrong. Still wrong. My analysis, which I appreciate is limited, told me that 16 percent of the Psalms are about joy. Now, I think our perception is different because every time, for instance, myself, if I'm reading the Psalms, I come across the Lament Psalm, I just turn on. And I turn on the next, and I come on to the next one. So probably about 90% of what I read are joy and praise psalms. But that's not, that's not what the statistics are telling us. So lament, as we've been talking about, lament sees what we do not have. Lament is about where we want to be. Praise is about what we do have and is enjoying and exulting in what we have, and is confident of what we will have. Lament looks at what we don't have. Praise looks at what we do have. And my first phrase for my talk on joy is an attitude of gratitude. I too am a disciple of Mr. Reed. There will be three points in my talk this morning, and they will all start with the same letter. And this is to make it easy for you to remember. This is for the days before everything was videoed and recorded. So an attitude of gratitude. And I have to acknowledge here, this is not my phrase. This was a phrase that Karen came up with. I have struggled with this talk. I have to be honest with you, I've struggled with it. And I really wasn't getting very far. And Karen said to me, you know, I've been thinking about your talk for Sunday. I thought, well, that's really... Yeah, she said, I'm, I'm not the sort of person who stand up and preach and deliver stuff, but I do think about these things, and I know that two days before the talk, you're going to start to want talking about it. So here are some ideas. Attitude of gratitude. And interestingly enough, I want to say that even if you're in a time of lament, that does not exclude an attitude of gratitude. Because no matter what we're lamenting, no matter what we are missing, no matter what we do not have in our life, there are always, always the good things. And actually, an attitude of gratitude is something that will stop lament becoming despair. Because we have hope in lament because of the goodness of God that we've already experienced. Because of this outrageous grace that we've just sung about. We cannot, even in, in a time of difficulty, cannot lose sight of the good things that we see. Psalm 9, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. It sounds like most of us in the morning, doesn't it, really? That's, that's our first thought when we get out of bed. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. And gratitude can be a very personal thing. Can be a very personal thing. But I think one of the things that maybe we're a bit challenged in is being grateful for things that aren't touching us personally. Actually taking a little bit of a wider view, seeing beyond ourselves into the goodness of God working in other places. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Not his wonderful deeds for me, his wonderful deeds for mankind. If you're struggling to be grateful for things in your own life, 
there are lots of other things that we can be grateful for. Not least the good things that are going on in our friends and their lives and the people among us and the good news that is at work in us. An attitude of gratitude. Do not be anxious about anything, Paul tells us, but in every situation by prayer and petition with present your requests to God. Not a list. It's not a list. It's not God, I need this, I need that, I want that, I haven't got this and I do need that. It starts from, Lord, I am so grateful for the blessings that you've poured out on my life and on the lives of people around me. I stand before you in gratitude, confident that if nothing else ever happens in my life, I will sing out my praises to you in gratitude for the good things that you have done. And from that place of gratitude, oh, and by the way, Lord, what about this? And could we maybe have a look at this and what's happening with that? But God doesn't owe us anything. He really doesn't. And if we start with this attitude of gratitude, I think we will find change in our lives. Secondly, always praise. Always praise. Oh, that's Philippians, yeah. Um, Looking at some of these psalms, always praise. That's a challenge, isn't it? And uh, we've got sing joyfully, play skillfully, shout aloud, sing. I get the impression that the psalmist isn't too fussed about our musical ability. I really don't think that. We think often that excludes us. Oh, I can't sing, or I can't play, or I can't even hold a tune. Really doesn't matter. We've got shouting aloud along with play skillfully. Now, if you want to play skillfully, it can be a bit annoying when someone next to you is shouting aloud. But trust me, trust me, God doesn't care. He really doesn't care. It's all about expressing our praise. About letting something out. Yeah? Not just internalizing it, but letting it out. Not worrying about what it sounds like, but letting it out. A new song that's talked about about 15 times in Psalms, sing a new song, does not have to be a Matt Redman creation or something from Bethel. A new song is new because it's you expressing it. And it doesn't have to have three verses in the chorus and come back to the beginning and have a beautiful chord progression. It's just about what's in your heart. Yeah? And that's the new song that God talks about. That's what he's calling us to bring out. Always praise. Now, this is an interesting phrase for Paul. We looked at it a while ago because of the context in which he brings it. Do you remember he said, we read in Acts, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown to prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Praise always. Always. Whatever situation, wherever you find yourself, no matter how difficult it is, Paul and Silas, about midnight, praying and singing hymns to God. I wonder if their prayers were, Lord, get us out of this place. 
And the hymns were, Lord, we are so grateful for your faithfulness in our lives. Because we can hold those two things together. Both are true. Both are true. And the question is, what are we going to emphasize? Just as Sally was saying, where is our emphasis going to be? Are we going to choose always praise? Always praise. Which comes first, the joy or the praise? It's a chicken and egg question, isn't it? Do we praise, do we sing out to God because of the joy in our heart? Or do we find as we cry out to God, there is a joy in our heart? I I think it's a bit of both. I'm not going to wait until I feel joyful to praise God. I'm not going to wait. I haven't got time to wait. There's too much praising to do. Too much praising to do. But I know as I choose to praise, there will be a release of joy. Always praise. And the third one, this has been an interesting journey for me the last few weeks, looking at adoration in creation. Adoration in creation. The Psalms are absolutely full of this. And yet, when Tina led us in that song first thing this morning, I wonder what our response to it was. How do we feel about that song? Are we comfortable with it? Or do we feel, hmm, just a little bit, not quite sure. What's all this about the trees and the glades and the, yeah? Are we comfortable with it? Well, I suggest that maybe we need to be, because the Psalms are full of it. I'm going to read a little bit from Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. This first half definitely sounds as if it's, it's us, the people are doing it. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. I don't think this is the soil. I think this is a reference to all of creation, all of humanity. Then it goes on. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. One of my favorite verses. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord for he comes to judge the earth. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Well, I haven't heard a mountain sing, but I suspect when they do, it's a different sound. I have certainly stood in the mountains and thought, wow. And uh, do you not think sometimes how unbelievably unnecessary mountains are? Yeah? I mean, what is the point of a mountain? Really? Except for us to stand in awe of God and say, you created this. You made it. You made the earth in its unbelievable variety for us. That we would be drawn to you. Drawn to your unbelievable, non-stoppable, eternal creativity. The mountains sing together for joy. Let the rivers clap their hands. 
let the sea resound and everything in it. So I've got a question for you this morning. Can rain really be miserable? Can rain be miserable? Yeah? How often have you looked at the weather? Or said, What's the weather like today? Oh, it's miserable. Okay. Newsflash here. It's not the rain that's miserable. Okay? It's not the rain. I, I decided some time ago that the phrase, it's awful weather today, was not going to pass my lips. Just not going to do it. Not going to go there. Whatever it is, I'm going to embrace it as part of God's blessing. Whatever we go out into, when I walk this dog in the morning, whatever I find is going to become praise from me. And it's, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. Particularly those of you who have noticed, the last four weeks we've had one particular type of weather that I'm not going to mention, but it's been a bit mono, hasn't it? But whatever we experience, it's affirming of the fact that we are alive and in him. The fact that we can experience all this. And the fact that we live in the most blessed place in the world because we can have seven different types of weather in one day. I talked to Sue this morning. I was saying, you enjoying the, the, enjoying the weather? She said, fantastic. She says, compared to Hong Kong at the moment, this is fantastic. It's all a question of perception, isn't it? It's all a question of perception. But it gives us a chance to be creative in our worship. I walk out in the morning and there's this light, fine, drizzly rain. So I think, oh, this is, this is, this is the mist from Genesis. This is God's creation. This is God providing for the earth in the way that he does. Rain and snow, the eternal returning word of God that will not return to me void. It is like the rain and the snow that falls on the earth. Okay, so I'm experiencing something here that should show me something about the word of God, which always creates and always produces something new. Images throughout scripture, sunshine, shade, cold, heat, it's all there. It's all there. And we can use these, we can use these as reminders and pointers to express our praise to God, to come back to him. Say, Lord, I just thank you that I'm alive and I can experience this because of your life in me, because of your breath in me. And I think there are both breathtaking landscapes and quiet ordinariness. Ordinariness. God is in the ordinary. He's in the streets that we walk that are not often breathtaking landscapes. Not many of us can look out of our windows and see the Alps covered in snow. Unless we've got very good imagination or extremely good eyesight. But in the ordinariness of creation, that's God is there. He's there. He is everywhere. And what he's looking for from us is these connections. Connections where we connect with him and where we express in honesty and integrity where we are, whether that is a lament, whether it's a cry to God for more, whether it is a sense of rejoicing in the incredible goodness of God, the incredible goodness of God. I love it where the psalmist says, surely the lot has fallen to me in pleasant places. And I think many of us could relate to that and experience that and enjoy that. 
So my challenge for you this morning is, can I find new ways to experience and connect with God? Can I find new ways to express what is in my heart? Can I find hints or suggestions in nature or in the situation I'm in, in the relationships that I'm in, in the words that people are saying to me that are going to prompt me to make new connections to God, to allow his joy to fill me, to allow his goodness to become part of it. I'm just going to finish by reading a little bit of Psalm 65. And just as an aside, you might want to think about sunrises and sunsets. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades. You call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Are we going to join with creation? Are we going to express the praise to God that he's looking for? Let's do that. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you, Nigel.